you are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. This is just to say that Rootbound is sponsored by plums, which you were probably saving for breakfast. Sorry I ate them, but I get paid for these fake ads in fruit. Good afternoon, good evening, good night to you, wherever you are, and thank you for listening to another episode of Rootbound. My name is Steve. What is medicine? Short answer, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Longer answer, both of the plants in today's episode have traditional medicinal uses, and so do many of the other plants I talk about on this podcast, and that has had me thinking a lot about medicine and how much I don't know about medicine. So, First, a disclaimer, you know, any medicinal use I talk about on this show is purely just information I've researched. I am not an expert. There's lots of experts out there. And if you're going to embark on, you know, plant medicine, it is best to work with real experts first. Uh, I am not one of those. In fact, on this podcast, you know, I've had a little bit of struggle of how I talk about plant medicine because I don't want to give anybody bad information. I don't want to encourage anybody to use um, a medicine that maybe they shouldn't. And because I don't know, (laughs) uh, you know, that's a little bit of a struggle. But I have decided that, you know, I'm doing research. I'm repeating things I've read in reputable sources. And so that's kind of the limit of what I can share on medicinal use. And I highly encourage anybody who wants to go further than that to to work with a local expert, it's kind of like foraging, like like I talked about in the previous episode. There are local experts out there. There's people who know the plants. And if you want to really go on that medicinal journey, you need to start there. And I'm not that person. I'm going to share you fun facts and dazzling details about plants. But the medicinal stuff, if you want to get into it, uh, there's way deeper you can go. And I'm not there. But, you know, medicine is like this big word. It's the things you take, but it's also the entire practice. And there's all these different practices of medicine and medicine can be a lot of different things. It can even be, you know, some, sometimes the word medicine even includes just anything that uh, helps your well-being. And, you know, they say laughter is the best medicine. You know, that's one other interpretation of medicine if it helps you. So it's a big word, and it's something that I'm, I'm learning a lot about. But maybe the one thing that I've learned from this podcast about medicine, going back to episode five and has been repeated over and over again, is from our friend Paracelsus Theophrastus Bombastus von Hohenheim, who said the the dose makes the poison. And the difference between a medicine and a poison is just in the dosage. And I think the trick and why you need to rely on experts of any medicinal field, whether it's traditional herbal medicine, whether it's, you know, modern scientific medicine, whether it's any cultural medicine, they all, I think they all have value, but relying on the people who truly know because the dose is key and, uh, and you can't just guess at that stuff, I think is, 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 is I think the point, or at least that's what I think I've come to learn here. Uh, so yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm kind of babbling about medicine here. Um, but if anything, maybe this podcast can help you like it's helping me go on this journey to learn more about these kind of plant medicines. Um, and yeah, join with, join me, be curious and, uh, let's, let's meet our guest today. Oh, girl. Yeah, I know 
Hi, Lorena. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Do you have a plant to share with us today? Yes. So I'm from Mexico, and today I'll be sharing about one of the most popular medicinal herbs in the Mexican culture, which is arnica. 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 Uh So this is really interesting because... um, I, I was mentioning to my wife what, what you had chosen today. My wife is from Mexico. Oh, wow. And she's like, oh, wow. And then, and then she reminded me, like, of course, I've seen tubes and gels and stuff through our marriage that have <laughs> arnica in it, but I actually have no idea about it. I Googled it for a second today, and I was like, no, no, I'm going to stop <laughs> and let Lorena tell me all about it because I have no idea, like, what the plant is or anything like that. So let's, let's get into arnica. This is very Yes, that's very cool. What I like about this plant is I think that every Mexican household has it, like... Um, the main brand used in Mexico is called Arnica de la Abuela, which is like grandmother's Arnica because it's a very grandmother and like ancestral medicine kind of herb. Um, a little bit like the science name is Heteroteca inuloides. It's part of the sunflower family. So it's like long and yellow. I don't. Well, you can Google it, and it's a beautiful yellow flower. It's small, and it uh, like both the leaves and the flower has like those small pitairs, which makes it soft. Uh-huh. Yeah, very, very useful. Okay, and it's used in medicine mostly for bruises. So it's. I think it's a very Mexican thing, <laughs> the arnica. <laughs> and okay, it grows in center, the central part of Mexico, like Distrito Federal, Durango. Okay, I'm from Tijuana, so for me, Durango uh-huh. is not north, but some people consider Durango north, so that's my controversial okay. and like inner controversy. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, mostly in the center. There's also European arnica, which has the same anti-inflammatory like. Um, properties, but today we're talking about the Mexican one, the the Latin arnica. And yeah, okay, what is it used for? It's used mostly for bruises. Like it's very common when you, you know, when you're young, when you're young and you're like playing football and you just fall and have a bruise. Like the first thing your grandma will get out of her of her you know, medicine cabinet will be an arnica, a pomade arnica, a, a little, I don't have it with me, but it's like pomade is like, it's like a, it's like salve or something like that, or like salve, right? It's like a little cream yes. or like a, like a, mm-hmm. like a cream that's a little bit more thick. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. mm-hmm. So, so yeah, mostly for bruises or for things that will swell and you don't want them to swell, uh, swollen, swell. How do you say it? Yeah. Yeah, swell, swell, swell yes. Uh-huh. yes. Yeah, if you don't want something to swell, you put arnica on it. Also, a common practice, which is like not recommended by FDA and like not approved nor anything, <laughs> but it's also a common practice, uh-huh. is to drink tea. Like it's to oh. drink tea of that. For example, like post-surgery of something, your abuela will always tell you like, yes, drink some arnica tea so you you're, you heal quicker and like everything is smoother and stuff like that. But like content warning, it is not recommended to be uh-huh. ingested. It, is, it, is the tea made from the leaves or the flower? From the flower. Or... 
Yeah, okay, uh-huh. interesting. From the flower, but yeah, internal use of the plant is not recommended, is not like uh-huh, doctor sure. approved or anything, but it's abuela approved, like <laughs> abuela's approved. <laughs> there's so many things like that. There's so many things like that and it's it's really fascinating to me because there's clearly some things that have these warnings um that that may be true partially, but maybe they're also have value and 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 navigating that as like uh, non abuelas, you know, like as as like young people living in the digital world, it's kind of tough because you're like, well, this thing clearly has a value. It's had a value for generations, but then there's also people telling us it's not good for internal use, and it's kind of confusing. And it and it's something I'm trying to like learn in this podcast is like, where can we, where do we find that balance between these two things? Because it happens a lot, right? Yes. Things that people have used for generations. I I talked about this uh, plant I eat now called pokeweed, which. If you don't prepare it correctly, it's poisonous. Oh wow, <laughs> risky. But but people have been eating it for generations, and it's not and it's not a problem. So anyway, I, I'm glad you brought that up. And yeah, definitely, listeners, warning: this is not advice. However, it, abuelas have been advising it for a long time, as <laughs> from what you've told. Yes, yes, yes. So, aha. Uh-huh. Oh, and about like the science about it, I did some research, and there is like this. Um, some ingredient in the, you know, in the flower that does have anti-inflammatory and analgesic and antiseptic properties, which that is like approved and proven and everything. So, so it like, it is not something that Abuelas came up with. Like it does have yeah yeah evident, like in recent years, some research was done and they found out that it did make sense, the uses they were using it for. Um, Interesting. I have, I have a couple questions yeah, here. Yeah, actually, one: Do you have any? Uh, you know, you you you've you know clearly the cream is you know or the palma pomade is in your in your life, and also you mentioned the tea. But as far as like experience the plant, have you? Is that something that you've seen? Uh, like, is that a plant that you've engaged with the plant version of arnica or only the product? Yeah. No. 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 The plant. I particularly that one my abuela like in her garden there was well before she had a dog that was kind of wild she used to always have like flowers and arnica was one of them like the Mm -hmm. beside her roses and like other plants she had her very very tall well they're like 70 centimeters from 50 to 70 centimeters okay um they're not too short but not too tall Um, yeah yeah uh Yeah. And since they're small, they look like, yeah, they look tall when you grab one. Um, yeah, they're like thin. They look like maybe a, a sunflower shrunk down. Yes. Flat, or it's not quite as big. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah, just like that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I used to see that plant. And every time I was like, uh, I have a, oh, also, I don't, yeah, it is also a common abuela practice, but it's not like there's no evidence around it uh, for like if you have a stomach ache. You can also oh, okay. You can also drink that tea, which you cannot drink it, like in theory. <laughs> but abuelas would give you that tea, or for any pain you would feel, or like I'm having trouble sleeping. Oh, maybe arnica can help. Mm-hmm. Or at least that, like wonderful. It was like that in my family. So yeah, I I thought about when you said a plant you have, yeah, like a story with. I thought about arnica because I think it's part of every household and. Well, at least it was very, of every Mexican household, and it was part of mine. 
Um, That's really interesting. Okay, so the second question was, I think you answered this a little bit, but maybe we can take back to like, do you have like a, a first memory of where you you like, you know, had a bruise or something where your your grandma delivered this this uh, remedy to you? I, I don't have like the first one, but uh, I think like I have a very present moment in like just running in school and we were like all bruised and you, you notice when a bruise was healed with Armiga because it turns into like a yellowish kind of color instead of the purple color of the bruise. Like Armiga gives you a very particular color during the healing process. So like we would all have our knees with that Armiga color, which I think (laughs) is fascinating. Yeah, that's 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 really funny because yeah, I mean, I didn't have arnica, so my knees were always purple. Uh huh. So. No, no, no. But it, it <laughs> yeah. gets a yellowish. Like if anyone who yeah, is Mexican sees us, uh, hear us, I think they can like corroborate that it turns into a yellow something. And also, I saw one like a friend who had a um, like a nose job and her grandma gave her arnica so it was like you know you get swollen so it was less swollen oh. and it also like the bruise you know you get bruises after a surgery and her bruises were yellow like her face was yellowish because of the arnica oh. and not purple purple uh i don't know if you google like um interesting arnica bruise i don't know if like their yeah, results yeah, that's a good point i'm gonna of the purple <laughs> what, what would that come up with yeah yeah uh-huh no, not the pictures I was um, expecting. <laughs> okay, but, okay. Well, um, we'll have to see. If I find something later, <laughs> I'll put that in the show notes to see what that is. That's interesting. Yeah, but um, it turned into some yellow, yellowish color. I don't know. Like, I couldn't find anything that said it had a relationship between, like, the color of the plant and the color you're bruise turns into during the process or something i couldn't find anything about that but that would be pretty interesting well there's at least a there's at least a poetry there yes scientific (laughs) thing right it has some poetry to it that's really interesting (laughs) um did your did your beside your you know so your grandma made tea did your grandma ever make any kind of the pomade at home or was that something that you buy at the store no that was something you bought at the store some people like me as an adult other things that i've seen like in some workshops or stuff like that are tinctures like with the Mm, extract mm -hmm. or like, yeah, mainly tinctures or some other um, like oils of that. But Mm -hmm. I personally haven't used them. I, I do respect the not ingesting it (laughs) rule. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 But did you have the tea when you were a kid? Did your grandma give you tea? Um, yes, sometime, I'm sure. Yeah. And I'm still alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, yeah, like I said, again, the audience, we're not recommending it, but still. <laughs> yeah. Um, very, very interesting. Uh, yeah, do you have anything else in your notes there? Any other fun facts or dazzling details about um, Arnica? Uh, no. Okay. Not, it not only works for bruises, but also like... Um, skin infections because it helps with Mm. bacteria and fungi and some sprains and varicose veins Um, oh okay oh yeah uh uh-huh so it has other oh yeah and other like beside the pomada it's like tablets and homeopathic tinctures oh 
Very uh-huh. interesting. Which those aren't recommended, but they're also like people do them. <laughs> <laughs> sure, uh-huh. sure. Yes, that's that's all I have on on it. Well, so so for just that's very good. Well, just to wrap us up, I wonder if you could just take us back to that garden and like think about looking at those plants and maybe I don't know, maybe describe what that's like in that garden and and how you okay oh how you experience that plant. Yeah, something else about it. It does have a smell. I don't know how to describe it. It doesn't have a strong smell. Okay, the flower doesn't have a strong smell. The like the extracts and the other things do have a very strong smell, but yeah, they. They have a particular smell. I oh, I don't know how to describe it. Um, it's medicine, like and yeah, and herbal. It's one of those things that 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 if you smell it, you instantly uh-huh. like, you know what it is. And I think like every, yeah, every Mexican, anyone who grew with a Mexican grandmother, like will relate to the smell. Like you open something and ooh, it smells like my bruised knee. You think tincture of arnica would help? Could be. Used to help you. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. Well, well, thank you for sharing about arnica. That was really fascinating. Do you mind if I share a plant with you? Yes, of course, please. Great. So I'm, I'm going to kind of get a little bit more basic. You know, I'm... I'm always like deciding what plant I'm going to do, and I'm sometimes I gotta I gotta pick the stuff that's more common, but also kind of get into the fun stuff with it. So the plant I'm gonna pick today is raspberry. Oh, yeah, nice. which is cool. And and the reason why it's meaningful to me is that um, we do have a raspberry bush in our garden. Oh wow! And it's something yeah, which is very exciting. We we it's based well it's, it, the 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 variety we have actually blooms twice a year, which is really nice. Uh-huh. You get a you get a crop in the spring and a crop in the fall which is nice so the spring is kind of over now but the um the the fall one hopefully will be will be bigger but uh when we were looking for some plants here i discovered uh to put in the garden i discovered this cool website which is a local company in virginia where i live called edible landscaping and they sell (gasps) plants for landscaping that are completely edible which i was like that's for me (laughs) i have to do this and uh, we were looking at the raspberries because I wanted raspberries. And I was talking with my wife and I was showing her all the options. And I was like, well, which one should we get? And there's one uh, variety that they call the double gold raspberry. Mm. And it's called double because it has two blooms per year. So you can get raspberries twice. And then the gold is because the raspberries are this really beautiful, <sighs> pale pink, almost champagne color. And they're really beautiful. And so that's the one we got. And I also like it because the the, the berries are very... Uh, of this variety are very delicate and so you can't really like but find this variety in a store uh-huh. it's really only for the garden which is nice because if you try to ship them they they will like yeah what about the taste fun. like if they have a lighter color so is it like softer taste or something maybe a little bit softer but they do have a nice tang and they they are very tasty i really i really enjoy them and, and they're really fun that's so very cool. so that's why i chose that but uh look uh some of the fun facts dazzling details about uh Raspberry. The the Latin name for raspberry is Rubus ideus, and Rubus is apparently uh, from a a, a Proto Indo European word that just means bramble bush. So they're a bramble bush, you know, bush that has little spines. Um, and then ideus is interesting. There's a mountain in Greece called Mount Ida, and there's a few different reasons why it might have been called that. But apparently, Ida was also one of Zeus's nurses when he was a baby in the Greek myth. The, the god Zeus, and the story goes that 
Ida was picking some snow-white colored berries, but she pricked her finger, and then it the blood turned the, the berries red for all time, and that's why the raspberry is red, wow. uh, according to Greek mythology, which is fun. Um, so, so one thing I talked about in a previous episode is that not all things we call berries are are technically in botanical terms berries. You know, if you want to get esoteric on it, uh, so a, a raspberry is is not technically a berry. It's something called an aggregate fruit, and in this case, it's an aggregate of druplets, which is I, I think is my my actually sister brought up that term early on the word aggregate of druplets, which I think it sounds very funny. But a drup is a kind of fruit like a like a plum that has a hard sh- has a single seed in the middle. And so each one of those little little balls on a raspberry, those little tiny parts of the fruit, each one of those has a tiny seed in the middle. So that what makes it a droplet. It's a small droop, and it's an aggregate of those, which I which is which is nice. So that's the like great name. fruit that it is. Yeah, an aggregate of droplets. I I think I said this on that episode when my sister mentioned that, but it's a good way to refer. I have three cats, and so I can just call them an aggregate of droplets. Which, <laughs> um, wow. So. Uh, the one thing that I learned not too long ago, because there's a bunch of, uh, in, in my neighborhood, there's a bunch of uh, blackberry bushes, but there's also a bush called wineberry. And wineberry is a kind of raspberry, and blackberry is a blackberry. And I was wondering what the difference between blackberries and raspberries are. Especially when someone told me about, I was like, oh, that's a blackberry. And they said, no, that's a black raspberry. And I was like, what? Well, what? <laughs> is that a thing? And so the difference. It is, and 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 the and the, and the difference between them is it doesn't have to do with the color. It, it's more of a botanical thing. So if you think of a raspberry, when you pull a raspberry off the 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 vine, it it forms a little hollow cup. Like if you think of a raspberry, there's like a little the the yeah, it's hollow in the middle. Whereas a blackberry is all in one piece. There's no like hole in the back of where it comes off the plant. And that's the botanical difference between a raspberry and a blackberry. So if you have a black fruit. But it has that little hollow cup when it comes off the plant. That's actually a black raspberry and not a blackberry, which is it's a fun a fun fact. Yeah. Um. Uh. There was the, oh yeah the another really interesting thing about uh raspberries and this is true for I think a lot of the brambles is they have a they have a two year growth pattern and so. They, they're perennial, but it's more the roots that are perennial. It's like the plant lives underground forever. But the the canes, which is the name for like the stalks they send up, have a two-year cycle. So when they first come up, they, those are called primo canes, and those won't, those won't bear any fruit. They need to be two years old, and then after two years, the second year, it becomes a floricane, and those will bear the fruit. So it's this process of of understanding like, well, I might have a lot of like uh, canes popping up from the from the bush this year, but I may not get that many berries until next year. So there's this kind of patience there with, with the plant and understanding that. Um, I've also read that if you want your, your raspberries to like produce a lot, you should cut the, the floral canes after they um, flower. Okay. And so that the plant is not putting as much energy into a cane that's not going to fruit again. I don't do that because I'm kind of just like let my garden be <laughs> and I'm not like trying to maximize fruit fruit production. But apparently you can like cut the plant down to the to like the, the crown and let it come back next year and you'll you'll get more as long as you don't cut the prima canes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so that's pretty interesting. And then the last little things about uh, some usage. I didn't know this till pretty recently, but raspberry leaf tea has a very long history of being used by women to hasten childbirth. Yes, I I, I, know. I know yeah. it. I love I love my herbs. So yes, yeah. It's definitely something very common for women like who want to have vaginal births. It helps. Yeah. It makes it easier and like it shortens the time of labor and everything. It's very cool. And, and, and like like arnica, it's one of those things that like people have known for thousands of years, but there is actually some scientific evidence that supports that as well. And it's still a little bit hazy, the science side, but there definitely have been articles published that sh that support that. Um, and it has other good healthful purposes too. The tea is used for various like gastrointestinal issues, but also I haven't tried this, but apparently the tea is just really tasty, I guess. And so I'm going to, I never, <laughs> I've not thought about using my plant for tea until like literally today, but I think I'm going to try to dry the leaves and, and, and try the tea because it, it sounds good. Yeah. Um, and I think it's yeah just a nice herbal tea. Um, one last little bit here, and there's something that came up in the last episode, and I'm trying to incorporate this going forward, is is uh, my guest on the last episode, Mallory O'Donnell, said that when he looks at plants, he tries to think about what lessons the plants are teaching him. And so I thought that's a really great guide. And so I was thinking, what what lessons can you learn from raspberry? And I think there's two that I came up with. One is this this idea that because the plant takes two years to produce the fruit is maybe a lesson about how productivity or creativity takes time and that's okay. If you don't get something right away, it doesn't mean that it's not good. So that's an interesting uh, one. And then the other one I learned is that maybe maybe just a, a lesson about altruism because I like the raspberries, but so do the birds in my yard. <laughs> And it would be very easy, I think, to get upset at the birds and try to do everything I can to prevent them from eating the raspberries. But on the other hand, you know, I'm not, They're just I'm not hungry. starving. <laughs> They're hungry. And so, you know, if I get a few berries and you can get some berries, that's cool. Um, and there was a really cute moment this spring where a, uh, where a fledgling mockingbird <laughs> was like calling to its mother near the raspberries and the mother was pulling the raspberries. But finally, I think... I think the mother was trying to be like, no, you get your own berry. So this fledgling <laughs> grabbed a little berry and, and flew. It's like first, first uneasy, flight, uneasy flight. So that was very cute. Um, but anyway, that's, that's what I have to say about raspberry. Wow. Very, even though it sounds like a common plant, it's very interesting everything you said about it and like new facts about it. Well, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad we could share this, and thanks again for sharing about Arnica, and um, and thanks to the guests for listening, and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Yeah, bye. Raspberry. <laughs> I really enjoyed learning about Arnica from. Lorena, and while I was prepping to get the show online, I kind of fully understood something more that Lorena said. She said, we're talking about the Mexican Arnica, and not the European Arnica. And when I was Googling Arnica, the Google results were a little bit confused. And that's because uh, the Mexican Arnica and the European Arnica are two completely different plants. They're not even in the same genus. They're both in the sunflower family, but they're different genuses. Uh, as Lorena said, 
the Mexican arnica is Heteroteca inuloides, and the European arnica is Arnica montana. So what I imagined happened is there's this plant called Arnica in Europe. It has similar properties to the one that Lorena told us about, and then when Europeans arrived in the, this continent, they started calling the native plant by the same name, Arnica, and it stuck. And so now we have one of those situations, which I talked about in the episode a few times ago, where you have two plants that have the same name, and it's a little bit confusing. So if you start Googling about Arnica, just be aware of that. They are different plants. And now we have a bonus plant alert. Here at the end of the show, I actually want to talk about another kind of raspberry. Uh, during the show with Lorena, I was talking about Rubus aideus, which is the European raspberry and probably the raspberry that most people, at least in this part of the world, are familiar with. But I did mention briefly on the episode about wineberry. And wineberry grows just all over uh, this part of the country where I live. It is very abundant, but it is a actually a plant that is native to China, Korea, and Japan. And you know, I, I'm always like interested in, in those plants that are uh, introduced or invasive and how do we um, negotiate our relationship with those kind of plants because they, they definitely have value. I mean, so many of our commercial crops are also introduced, but then things can also impact native plants. And it, I don't have an answer for this, but just thinking about how we interact with those kind of plants is interesting. But one kind of benefit of... of uh, of an introduced plant is if you if you see it, you don't have to worry really about harvesting too much of it. So with wineberry, if you see wineberry, just take all the berries you can you can eat because any berry that you eat is not going to you know help spread that plant more and make it more invasive. So um, there's other invasive edibles like that 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 have that benefit of like yeah you can just you can just go to town and have as much as you want. Another thing I was thinking about wineberry was kind of a a limitation of of knowledge. And the internet is is how, if you're a person like me who really only speaks English, can maybe get by in a few other European languages. But because I don't speak any Asian languages, I was really curious about how wineberry is treated in places like China, Korea, or Japan. Um, but it's really hard for me to even Google that because I don't know what it's named in those native languages. I, I don't know how to spell it. And so if you just try to Google wineberry in Japan, wineberry in China, it's it's hard to get that information. So I, I, I'm going to maybe do a little deeper dive on that. But if anybody out there has experience with that plant in its native range, I'd really love to learn more about how it's treated there, maybe how it's used, traditional uses. Um, that would be really fascinating. But like when you Google wineberry, you just get all these articles about its invasive status in this part of the country. And that's because I'm searching in English and that's where the dominant results are. And so doing that deeper research is a bit of a challenge. Um, which I think is an interesting issue with lots of these invasives that we have that come from Asia. And I, I bet you it's the same. I bet you there's lots of, you know, we don't ever hear about invasives from this part of the world in that side of the world. But learning about them from this perspective of where they're from is really interesting, but is a challenge in the like modern information space we live in and kind of a limitation. So that's also interesting. Uh, the last little note is, is I definitely uh, harvested a bunch of wineberries recently because they are just being prolific in the summertime. And I have whipped up a batch of wineberry mead, which 
that's what I do these days with plants I harvest is I make mead because it's, it's a lot of fun. So I'll definitely post on social media about that when it's ready in a few weeks. Um, but yeah, that's Wineberry, your bonus plant for today. And uh, thanks for listening. Sweetberry wine! <laughs> My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Lorena Trejo. Lorena is an eco-feminist from Mexico who runs the Instagram account Replanteando, which in Spanish is a fun play on words. Replanteando means to replant, but plantea in the middle is another word that means to reevaluate. So let's reevaluate a lot. Also, this episode was released on Lorena's birthday. Feliz cumple, Lorena. Rootbound is hosted by me, Steve Ellington. Music by Christian Kriegeskota. Fake Ads by David Lani. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside, don't be afraid to just go run around a bunch, and if you fall and you bruise your knee, don't worry, just go give your abuela a visit and she'll make it all better. This is just to say, the podcast is finished now, and so are the plums. Forgive me that you now have nothing to listen to and no plums to eat.